Welcome. There's no handbook for your child's health, but we do have a podcast featuring world-class clinical and research physicians covering everything from your child's allergies to zinc levels. This is Kids HealthCast by Wild Cornell Medicine. Our topic today is breastfeeding, and joining me is Carolyn Migliori. She's an internationally recognized and certified childbirth educator, lactation consultant, and infant massage instructor. She is also a clinical nurse specialist and is currently a clinical instructor on staff at New York Presbyterian Hospital Wild Cornell Medical Center. Carolyn, it's such a pleasure to have you join us today. Can you tell us about the primary health benefits that breastfeeding provides to babies? Well, it's well documented in the American Academy of Pediatric Literature that six months of exclusive breast milk, whether it's straight from the breast or via a bottle, increases a baby's immune system, diminishes the risk of asthma, allergies, upper respiratory, ear infections. It's much more easily digested, so it's easier on their tummies. It cuts the risk of SIDS, childhood obesity, juvenile onset diabetes, and we now know it also cuts the childhood malignancies like leukemia, lymphoma, and Hodgkin's, not to mention higher IQs by five to seven points. Wow, that certainly is so beneficial for baby. So how does breastfeeding compare to formula feeding, Carolyn? Breast milk is a complete nutrition source specifically designed for each individual baby, so there is nothing that can compare to that. There is no artificial ingredients. It is completely natural, and you cannot duplicate that. Well, what if someone is having trouble breastfeeding? What do you tell them about trying, about sticking with it, or when they might have to resort to formula? Well, that's an issue that we deal with almost on a daily basis because moms do have issues, and that's why we are out there in the world to assist moms and try all different maneuvers to either get the baby to latch directly to the breast, and if that is not possible, she always has the option to just pump and serve her breast milk from a bottle. So then how can a mother tell if baby's getting enough milk? How do we know? That's the number one question we get all the time. How do I know if my baby is getting enough milk? Well, the first thing we look at are elimination patterns. Is the baby urinating and stooling enough? Does the baby seem content after a feeding? Is the baby lasting an hour to two hours? And then is the baby gaining weight? Those are the parameters that are looked at to tell whether or not a baby is getting enough food from its mom. So then let's talk about mom for a minute. What health benefits does breastfeeding provide for the mother and and what are some of those? So initially after delivery, breastfeeding helps the mom's uterus contract and go back to its pre-pregnant state faster. Moms get extra to eat and lose weight, so it's a great weight loss diet. Um, As I always tell my clients, I wish I could breastfeed all the babies. Maybe for once I'd be skinny, but that's not what the main purpose is. It also cuts her risk of breast cancer, ovarian cancer, osteoporosis, and adult-onset diabetes. And it's cost-efficient. It certainly is. Now, as mom is breastfeeding some women, they were on folic acid when they were pregnant, or maybe they take vitamins or supplements. What's recommended while they're breastfeeding as far as vitamins, supplements, and even medications, Carolyn? 
So as far as supplements go, we do recommend that she continue taking a good multivitamin. If she has more prenatal vitamins, she can finish those off, but any good over-the-counter multivitamin is highly recommended. Folic acid is no longer required during breastfeeding because that's for neurotubular development in utero. Now that the baby is here, she does not need that unless her own folic acid levels are low. Any other supplements that she were on prior to delivery, then her practitioner can decide whether she would continue to need those afterwards. As far as medications go, there are way too many medications out there. We do use resource books to look things up for a mom should she call and ask questions or should a physician contact us to find out if something is compatible with breastfeeding. And there is quite a number of medications that are compatible with breastfeeding. Well, thank you for that very clear answer. So let's talk about pumping for a minute. What are some of the best ways to pump? You mentioned it a little bit before. Should they wait before using a pump? And how do they maintain or even increase their supply while they're pumping? Ideally, we try to have her hold off for at least two weeks after delivery to let the baby establish a supply to meet their demands. And because this mom is so exhausted and overwhelmed, we don't want to add anything else to her plate, so to speak, to topple it over. At the two-week mark, things tend to start going a little bit easier, and then we gradually introduce pumping immediately after several feeds a day for about 10 minutes. What that does, it really drains the breast adequately. It helps increase supply so that she could start storing her breast milk. And then if she does choose to give one bottle a day, she has breast milk to utilize, and then she can pump at that feeding for that to go into the freezer for storage for later on down the road. We'll expand on that then. How do women properly store breast milk for the short and longer term? If the breast milk is going to be used right away, it can sit out at room temperature for four hours. If she is going to refrigerate it, it is good in the refrigerator for four days and frozen in a standard freezer for four months. And it's highly recommended that she always rotates her breast milk and utilizes the oldest breast milk first because breast milk composition changes over time to meet the growing needs of a baby. So the expression is first in is first out, meaning what she puts in the freezer first is the first she uses. What a great tip, Carolyn. So women experience many barriers when they're nursing. Can you tell us some ways and some common things that women come to you with, whether it's soreness or redness? Speak about some of those and what you tell them about that. So we do encourage using an appropriate nipple cream, whether it's a lanolin-based product or an organic nipple balm. They will tend to soothe the nipples. Manually expressing a few drops of her own breast milk and allowing that to air dry on the nipple is one of the best protectors. There are gel pads out there, which are these little silicone discs that are refrigerated that can be very comforting. Another old-fashioned remedy, which is not evidence-based but does work, plain old-fashioned tea bags, steeping black tea in tepid water. The tannic acid in regular tea will also help take the sting out of sore nipples. 
Another great tip. So do you have some advice for women about eating healthy while they're breastfeeding? Things they might, you know, should avoid, things that you want them to try and get more of? Absolutely. But when it comes to, I hate to even say this, quality of food, that is irrelevant because no matter what moms eat, she'll still make good quality breast milk. But clearly for the mom's benefit, eating well is always better. We do know things like almonds and oatmeal can help increase milk supply. She does have to increase her calories from a normal woman's diet of 2,000 calories a day to about 2,500 calories a day. And it's kind of hard for a new mom to be counting calories, so she breaks it down into three good meals and four to five snacks a day. She will get the additional calories that she needs. But on top of that, we do tell them to eliminate things like parsley, sage, and anything mint. Those are three things that we know that can diminish milk supplies. And more importantly is water, a minimum of three liters of water per day. Wow, that is really, really great information. What do women do if they have an excess supply of breast milk? We've heard about milk depots. What are these? So there are breast milk storage banks throughout the country. There's one here in New York City. There's one up in Westchester. So if a mom has an oversupply and she's running out of freezer space, one of the greatest things that she can do is to donate her breast milk. There is very rigid screening criteria for them to accept breast milk. And then the milk is pooled and homogenized and stored and can be purchased for others to use. So as we conclude, how can the whole family, especially the partner, get involved in the feeding process when a woman is breastfeeding? And give us your best advice on planning, getting ready for baby and getting ready for breastfeeding in such an exciting time. Well, making sure that they are very supportive of this mom who's going to be going through a lot initially, making sure the cupboards are stocked, the fridge is full, the freezer has food readily available, trying to minimize the number of people that are around initially because they're both going to be very exhausted. And then as a routine gets settled in, giving mommy periods of breaks, having mom get out, having a bottle prepared so that the partner can then use a relief bottle while this mom either gets a little extra sleep, maybe an extra nap, or time away from baby. Do you have any final thoughts that you'd like for women to know about breastfeeding? I think it's very important to women know that there's lots of help out there, that they should avail themselves to help, that most insurance companies will cover lactation visits to reach out to their pediatricians or their primary health care provider for referrals for lactation consultants or to utilize the Internet because if you go online and you put in search for a lactation consultant, we're out there. We're easy to find. Thank you so much, Carolyn. What a great segment and such important information. Thank you again for joining us, Carolyn Migliori, and to our listeners. This concludes today's episode of Kids HealthCast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and all the other Wild Cornell Medicine podcasts. For more health tips and updates on the latest medical advancements and breakthroughs, please follow us on your social channels. I'm Melanie Cole.
If you or a loved one is undergoing cancer treatment, rehabilitation medicine can help with recovery and ease painful side effects. If you'd like to learn more about cancer care, we have a podcast dedicated to oncology, CancerCast, hosted by Dr. John Leonard, a leading hematology oncologist. All information contained in this podcast is intended for informational and educational purposes. The information is not intended nor suited to be a replacement or substitute for professional medical treatment or for professional medical advice relative to a specific medical question or condition. We urge you to always seek the advice of your physician or medical professional with respect to your medical condition or questions. While Cornell Medicine makes no warranty, guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information featured in this podcast, and any reliance on such information is done at your own risk. Participants may have consulting, equity, board membership, or other relationships with pharmaceutical, biotech, or device companies unrelated to their role in this podcast. No payments have been made by any company to endorse any treatments, devices, or procedures. And while Cornell Medicine does not endorse, approve, or recommend any product, service, or entity mentioned in this podcast, opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speaker and do not represent the perspectives of Wild Cornell Medicine as an institution.